Who cares about your team winning the Super Bowl when your team could win the offseason? My name is Danny Heifetz, and I host the Ringer NFL Draft Show with Danny Kelly, Ben Solak, and Craig Horlbeck. We cover trades, free agency, the draft, obviously. We cover quarterbacks, and there are a lot of good quarterbacks this year. And the teams at the top of the draft, Washington, New England, Chicago, big teams with big histories. Listen to the Ringer NFL Draft Show on Spotify. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Pure Leaf Iced Tea. Go beyond reality with new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea and discover a berry delicious world bursting with unexpected blackberry flavor. A world so full of refreshing blackberry iced tea that you may never want to leave. But there's always time to linger. Try new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. Visit amazon.com slash pureleaf and enter 20 Pure Leaf for 20% off your purchase of new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Death Taxes and Bananas podcast. Boy, oh boy, how the turntables on this season of Traders, just when you thought this show could not get any wackier, just when you thought that you had predicted the outcomes and you could foreshadow what the next shoe to drop was, last episode happened, and I have to say that this show just keeps getting better, and it kind of sucks watching from the sidelines, but... I am absolutely 100% pulling for my faithfuls. You could look at this dynamic that took place, and obviously the guest I'm about to have on is half of this puzzle, as like almost like a David versus Goliath matchup where you have Goliath who has spent a tremendous amount of time, countless hours on reality television, playing reality TV competition games, supposedly honing his skills and his talents to become great. And then you have a relative newcomer to the reality television world, a total newcomer, total rookie, still wet behind the ears when it comes to competition, coming into the game and absolutely making Goliath look like a fool. So that's why I don't even think it's a David and Goliath sort of thing. I think it's more of like a Wizard of Oz comparison where you have Oz, the all-powerful Oz that makes everybody believe and has all these cheerleaders out there that build him up to be this, you know, masterful reality television strategist. But when you pull the curtain back, it's exposed who he really is. Um, And that is just a terrified little boy. So uh, without further ado, I absolutely love my next guest. This guy is uh, truly one of a kind. How he ended up on a cutthroat reality television game show, we're going to find out. We're going to pick his brain. But you may know this man from Love Island 
or a Dairy Queen near you. <laughs> so without further ado, Burgalicious definition makes the girls go loco. Welcome to the podcast, brother. Let's go, guys. What is up? I'm glad to be here. I never thought I would be here after Traders the whole season because I was scared someone like Bananas was going to get to be a trader. And as he said, if he could ever murder anybody, he would have murdered me first. Did I say that? You did say that on your first uh, episode with Marcus. You're like, I'd murder Bergie or Kevin first. Uh, oh, shit. Get those, get those bad TV players out. Sasha, we were supposed to delete that. Sasha's my producer. We were supposed to delete that before Bergie got a chance to, to, to hear what my plan would have been. Well, you know what? I was just saying that, Bergie, because I, I wouldn't have done that. I would have murdered, um, I would have murdered somebody else. I would have probably tried to murder Alan if I could have. And listen, nothing against you, all right? In all, in all fairness, generally, and again, I come from a completely different reality television competition world. What you do is you Pick off the people early on who you feel like are going to make the least amount of waves in the house. So that wasn't necessarily any knock on you. It was more just observing the landscape who would ruffle the least amount of feathers and make the least amount of waves. But as I've seen this game play out, it's a different game. So I might have said that then, but after watching you grow up before, before my very eyes, I would probably have second thoughts on doing that. And honestly, same for you. I honestly thought like, why did they murder bananas first? That makes no sense. Cause you're like a perfect shield. They're always yelling. Like if a trader was about to screw up, you could yell something out and like try to be funny and then like killed you first. And I thought that was a terrible move. You want to know something, Bergie? And I, I, I didn't think about this until like the other day when I was watching episode one back. Cause I did, I had to recap for another episode that I did. Not that I, I don't think would have been able to necessarily beat Janelle to that first shield in the first competition that we did. But do you remember when we were all untiring ourselves from the post, who was the last person that literally was there probably 10 minutes into the process, still trying to get you untied from that goddamn post? You were bananas. You were still there. And I was like, just go get in the boat, get out there. Stop helping me get out of this untie. Like we're wasting time. And you were just there trying to help me untie. I had a professional fisherman that tied me up. I swear for a solid five minutes and everybody else only got tied up for two minutes. My guy was just tying knots for fun. Bro. You had like a, like, like a guy, like you had like a professional hangman tying like a hangman's noose around your wrist because they didn't really show it, but your knots were impossible to get untied. And my, I guess strategy then in the game was like, I just want to, I just want to appear as like, I'm a team player. You could have been a trader for all I knew. So I'm like, who yeah. knows? Maybe Bergie's a trader. Maybe like, you know, he sees me helping him out, untying him. He'll throw me a bone. Um, unfortunately, that wasn't the case. Um, I guess I'm not your type. But uh, yeah, that was so that, you know, no shield for your boy. And I, I personally wasn't worried about getting shields in the beginning. I was like, there's so many big targets in this game. Yes. And I, I just, you know, stay under the radar. Nobody's going to kill me for, for at least halfway through the series. Yeah. I kind of, you want to know something in a weird way? I felt, I kind of felt the same way. I guess, again, the thing is I come, the background I come from on, you know, on, on competition shows is obviously you don't want to per, like win per se right out of the gate because that makes you a threat, but you want to give the impression that you are there helping everybody else, but also 
on the show I come from, you're usually not helping a team. It's either you and you're either competing individually or you're competing as pairs. So the fact that I had the opportunity to help the entire group win, I thought that even if they see me as a threat, their desire to win money and to pad their own pockets will outweigh their desire to get rid of me. But that was a gross miscalculation because apparently the person who was the trader, Dan, who got rid of me, <laughs> wanted me gone more than he wanted money. Yeah. Uh, did you watch season one before coming to season two? Bergie, I didn't watch anything before I came in, That's which was part of my strategy. Did you? I, I did. I, like, I had like 20 days. Like, I was told like when I was leaving Fiji, uh, hey, did you want to go do traders? Like, we would love you to go do traders because you have like this huge fan base. I think we're going to get people from Love Island to watch traders. And I was like, hell yeah, I'd want to do it. So then in that 20 day span, I got to like, just watch the show. I came up with a strategy. Obviously I wanted to be myself. And I bet the best way to be successful was to be a faithful because a trader is something that I'm not. And I felt like I could just stay under the radar. Don't give out too much information and, but give out information. I'm like, Dan, like Dan gave nothing. You go sit and have a conversation with him. He's like, yeah, that's a good point. I'm like, give me, give me something back. Like I'm giving you information. Give me something back. Like we're sharing and you're not giving me anything. What Dan gave out was worse than nothing. He would just make these very bland cookie cutter vanilla statements. It, it was, it was almost worse than saying nothing. Yeah. Like, Oh yeah. At the end of the day, we'll see how it is or I'll let me sleep on it or yeah, everything's coming together or just stuff like that where you listen and you're just like, all right, what does that mean? Like there's, there's absolutely no substance to what you just said. Give me a name. Give me a yes or no. Point at somebody. Do something. The worst one was when Tamara was murdered. He said something along the lines. He was like, I was so close to coming up with a name. And now Tamara just throws everything off. I'm like, you're a traitor. You're a traitor. You're the one that just killed Tamara. Now it's like, how can you not like. Like I was so close to figuring it out. Now I'm like, I don't know. But like, who were you thinking that? Were you thinking Tamara was a traitor? Like, how do you, who were you thinking before Tamara was murdered? Just give us something here. Well, you knew, it was, you knew it was bad when even in the turret, when he was talking with Phaedra and Parvati, when Janelle, it was last episode when Janelle got murdered, maybe. And they were in the turret, or banished, and they were in the turret. And they were like, you're going to have to start switching up your game. Who are we going to go after or, or what are you going to do? And instead of like giving them some sort of a game plan or strategy, he goes, I'm going to sleep on it. And they were like, you're even keeping secrets from us. And we're the other traders. Yeah. I think he knew in that moment, he had to betray one of his traders and he yep. was, he didn't want to tell him which one he was going to, he didn't want to say I'm betraying Phaedra tomorrow. Like you're not going to say that to your traders. Yeah. Um, all right. So before we get into traders, which obviously I, you know, eager to get into it and get into your head and figure out, you know, just how you kind of navigated your way through this. You were, you just had mentioned how, uh, you came directly from Fiji from long, long Island, love <laughs> Island for traders. So how did your journey into the reality television dating world begin? Because you, you aren't necessarily the, uh, stereotypical prototypical fuck boy dating show, <laughs> love Island type. You don't exactly fit that mold. So how, how did this come to pass? Yeah, I was a total fish out of water. I, I think this kind of all started, I think of like fall 2021, I had to make a decision whether I was going to play college football and take my two red shirt years. Cause I had a COVID red shirt and a, uh, just a regular freshman red shirt. And I decided 
I am not going to take that red shirt. So then I, um, I wanted to get into physical therapy school. So I was gearing up for physical therapy school and I spent all this time. I didn't party a lot in college. I didn't. For our listeners out there that don't know the meaning of a college red shirt, just explain that real quick. Yeah. So like a college red shirt is like you come in your freshman year, you're not good enough to play. So then they're like, Hey, we're going to red shirt you. So then you can use it for your fifth year. So that, then you, you get another year of eligibility. Let you mature. Let your balls drop a little bit. Yeah. And then you can build that muscle. Cause I came in playing college football, like 160. Like I was tiny compared to these guys, you know, like they're all 200 pounds. So then I had to put on some size and you know, 160 of twisted steel though, Bergie. And so then <laughs> I was coming in, I was like, let's go. And then I, they would slum at me every, every play. I was on scout team. I had bruises up my arm, up my legs. It was brutal. I was like Rudy. I was, I was the Rudy. What position you play? I played safety. Oh, I was going to say tight end. Cause you got a, you got a very luscious derriere birdie for those who haven't seen it. Uh, then what happened next? Okay. So <laughs> I, I was gearing up for physical therapy school and all that time. Like I never really talked to girls cause I was focused on football school, like for physical therapy school, you need like a 3.7 GPA. So you need to be like on top of your game all the time, trying to get 4.0s every other semester. So I didn't spend a lot of time with girls. And then I was just alone one December night. I was like, I really want a Christmas date. And I was watching Netflix and this is so crit. Like, I don't want to say cringy. What's the right word. It's like a little sad. I don't know. Depressing, but like, I was just like, you know what? I've been single my whole life. It's like maybe three girls in my life. Why not just apply to Love Island and see what happens? I applied, totally forgot I applied and I didn't get a phone call back uh, until like March. And I get a call and it's like, Hey, it's uh, Love Island. We're calling about your application. I was like, Oh yeah, I did do that. And like, <laughs> would you like to do like an interview? I was like, yeah, I'd like to do an interview. So then they're like, this guy's going to be embarrassing <laughs> the hell out of himself. Uh, and it, <laughs> we love that's it. exactly what happened. They're like, we're this fish it. out of water character. Let's get him on the show. And uh, do you know what happened on my first day? No, tell me. So Traders is just you like had a full an or- You had moment. an orgy. I, I had a truffle. I had a truffle couple. You're going to love this story. So guy. guys and girls have to couple up. And this year it was the girl's decision. So like a guy would come out and then out of the five girls, you know, the girl would pick the guy. They'd couple up. So I was the last guy to walk out. And none of the girls were like, this dude's not attractive. Why the hell is he here? And Finally, they made one of the girls couple up with me. Worked out uh, terribly. Uh, six hours later, Sarah <laughs> Hyland, the host of the show, came in and she's like, "I know Sarah. You- Shout out to Sarah. Love you, Sarah." Shout out, Sarah. Uh, she comes in. She's like, "We need to vote for the least compatible couple." So they all voted for my couple. We even voted for ourselves because we knew it. The girl was not interested in me that I was coupled up with, and I was like, "It's fine." And then she's like, now out of you two, the least compatible couple, one of you needs to go home. And being the gentleman that I am, I left the show. I was like, this isn't for me. I would feel guilty if I stay here and took up her spot. And, you know, I'm walking out. They made me pack my bag. I'm walking out with my suitcase. And I was like, that was such a terrible experience. I need to go home, delete my Instagram. Forget I did anything with reality TV for the rest of my life. And then I get a text message. Cause like the show's like, I got a text and I go, I got a text, you know, and I read it and it's like, and Carmen are waiting for you in the hot tub. Congrats on being a gentleman or something along those lines. And I look up, I'm like, guys, can I actually go home? I don't, 
think this is a good idea. And they're like, no, no, no. <laughs> Hold on. No, 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 Bernie no. gets a text. It says you either go home by yourself or option B, you go get in a hot tub with two hot chicks. And you're like, I'm going to just go home. <laughs> this isn't good. Oh, gosh. I was like, I was fully embarrassed. I'm like, this is the hero at it. Like, I'm going to go back in there and I'm going to be sent home again, like right after this. They're like, no, just go do it. You're going to regret it if you do. I was like, all right. So then we refilmed it. I get the text. Again. I'm like, let's go. I'm going to the hot tub. Then I slept next to two women, but not as gorgeous as my current girlfriend at the end of the show. But then I just, from America's votes of like liking a nice guy, fumbling around, not holding a conversation with women, my face going red, blushing all the time. America loved me and they got me to the end. I got third place. And then, you know, Peacock's like, you were a fan favorite this season. Let's get you back for the Trader season two. What a legend. Honestly? Yeah. That's dude. That is, that is such an amazing story, Bergie, because you took pretty much the exact opposite path. I think that my reality television career took me. And I have to say that if there was ever any doubt, ladies out there, if we were just talking about this before, if chivalry is dead or not, it is not chivalry is alive and well in my man, Bergalicious. Um, I mean, I think that might be one of the few times on reality TV you actually get kept around and you get rewarded for actually being like the stand up gentleman, because generally reality television rewards the exact opposite, like bad behavior. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, especially in traders, you got to backstab, like you got to yeah. fake people out. You got to lie. Like we'll yeah. get into it. Like I had to keep that shield a secret. And I was like, I don't keep secrets. Like people were coming up to me who actually has it. And I was like, I can't tell you. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to lie after our first and I still want, dude, I still feel like I, I need to, I, I want more of this story. This, this, this whole intro story was just fantastic. Usually I have guests on. I'm like, tell me your, tell me your story. How you got in reality. And it's just like boring. It's like, oh yeah, I did a few seats. Like yours is actually like, that's compelling television. Like I actually now want to go back and watch your season um, of Love Island. Here's the other thing I think. I think that you provide hope for a lot of girls, women out there, because in this day and age that we presently live in with the ease of access of human beings, right? I mean, growing up with me, it was like, obviously you have a rotary telephone in your house. So your pool of your dating pool doesn't extend outside of like your home city. Now with the advent of social media and dating apps, I mean, you have instant connection globally to people. So I feel like the temptation and the ease of people and partners, it's so much easier now. It is very difficult to have the mind frame and the state of mind that you uh, currently have. So I think what you do, Bergie, is you give hope to guys like me, because then I can be like, no, we, yes. There, we may be a dying breed, but Bergie is an example that we have not completely gone off the rails. So good on you, man. Yeah. I think a lot of people, they are always trying to find someone that's better when they have to find someone that is the best for them. Like they're always looking for someone like, Oh, you, you're, you're this good, but I want to find someone better than you. And it's like, at some point you just have to love the person that you're with and not keep looking for something better. And I think a lot of people, especially now with like Tinder and what other, whatever other dating app they're like, Oh, I can always find something better. And it's like, you got to stop looking for something better and find something that you can meet and have equal morals and blend together. 
So what you're saying is I should delete my farmers only app after this podcast. I'll try Christian Mingle. I think oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I think you may have better luck there. I was going to go on Grinder. I feel like I would I feel like I bet a, a thousand if I went on Grinder. There's probably some bananas on there too. You know what? I bet there are. And you know what you just said? It's actually a very good point. And this does not just apply, I feel like, to dating. It doesn't just apply to like relationships and promiscuity. It just applies to life in general. Sometimes the wealthiest people, a lot of times the wealthiest people that have the most toys are the most unhappy. And the reason why is because they are trying, they think that happiness can be bought and happiness can be achieved through material possessions. And it's, I think, the same way when it comes to dating, right? Or when it comes to who you're with, there's always going to be someone out there that's hotter. Okay. There is, it's like, if you're a UFC fighter, no matter how talented you, you are, no matter how skilled you are, there's a guy out there that's going to beat the shit out of you. And it's kind of the same words dating. It's like, doesn't matter who you are. If you're looking strictly at the external features of a person, there's always going to be somebody else out there. So like you said, if you could find that person that you're compatible with, and that and learn to love that person just like when it comes to material possessions if you can learn to love what you have it's you know that's where happiness comes from but that's a very difficult thing to do for some people yeah that hit the nail on the head right there but you seem to have cracked the code bergie you should do like um you should start doing like uh like dating seminars you know what i mean I don't know. <laughs> if you watch my love island season i'm probably not the guy that should be giving up well <laughs> I'm the guy you want to marry. I'm not the guy you want to fuck on a Friday night. <laughs> so in a game you know, of marry, so in a game of marry, fuck, kill, you wouldn't be killed or or fucked. You'd be married. Yeah, I'd probably just get married every time. I, I would assume. I'd marry you, Bergie. Now you mentioned uh, your current girlfriend. Uh, that's Taylor, correct? From Love Island. How did so you met her on the show? How did you go from having threesomes in the hot tub to then being like, no? This sucks. I want to be with one person. Honestly, so like if you watch my season, I think by episode nine or ten, I get bullied for trying to talk to a girl. I'm trying to remember what exactly happened. And she was telling me one thing. This other guy was telling me one thing. And I was like, one of you is lying. And the girl was lying. I was never going to be good enough for her. And she was always finding excuses for me not to be with her. And sometimes you like the chase, but with my current girlfriend, Anything bad that would happen, she could always find an excuse to be with me. So it's like, sometimes you have to find someone that don't try to be with someone that makes excuses to not be with you. Try to find someone that's going to make excuses to be with you. Mm. Yeah. Cause I feel like it's the exact opposite for me. I feel like a lot of times girls make excuses to, 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 to not be with me. Mm-hmm. You gotta find the one that's going to make excuses to be with you. So Bergie, are you like, let me ask you this. Are you, cause this is what I feel like. I feel like you are the definition of the guy that the girl tells you not to worry about. You know, you're in a relationship and she's like, oh, no, no, that's just my friend, Bergie. Don't worry about him. But I feel like, Bergie, I feel like you're like a silent, you know, John called uh, Dan the silent assassin. I think you're like the silent assassin. Silent slaughterer. Like hooked up with Taylor right now. So I'm not, if they say don't worry about Bergie, they're probably right. But if I was single, it might be a different game. Yeah. If I was single, it'd be a different game. You know what you are? You're like the, uh, you're like the friend that the girl has, right? That obviously like, you know, she tells all her problems to like the personal trainer type, right? And the funny thing is I am a personal trainer. That's what I'm doing right <laughs> oh, now. Oh, <laughs> I knew it. Oh, so you're both. Dude, damn. 
Yeah, you are. That's crazy. So you, cause I didn't know that about you. So you, you're a bodybuilder, right? Yes. Uh, so yeah. So like the, when I quit playing college football, I had all this free time now cause I was shadowing physical therapy, still going to school, working at the dairy queen, part-time <laughs> personal trainer. So I still had a lot going on, but like, what a legend. instead of like doing all those football practices and stuff, I was like, you know what, I'm going to prepare for a bodybuilding show. I did like a team triathlon and then I did a, uh, it's not CrossFit. It's called cross edge. It's like an off brand of CrossFit. So I did a cross edge co- competition. Well, next time you're in Florida, you got to come to rumble. I have a, I have a, a boxing, uh, fitness studio in, in, uh, in Boca Raton, Florida. So you got to come out and, and visit, man. Come to Florida you? in March. So I'll definitely swing by. Uh, yeah, I'll be gone. Got somewhere to be. Got to go to work, Bergie. Daddy's got to go make bacon. Um, from Dairy Queen to bodybuilder, personal trainer, college football, Love Island. You're on Love Island. You're having threesomes in the hot tub. You're marrying the, you're meeting the love of your life. And then traders calls. So they actually called you while you were still on the show. I mean, they wanted you. That's what's so funny is when you, I didn't know who you were coming. I didn't know who a lot of people were. No. The only Bergie, the only ginger Bergie that I knew was Wes Bergman from the challenge who was left on uh, the the doorstep of a fire department as an infant and is one of the most difficult human beings to, to, to look at and is terrifies small children to this day, but I digress. Uh, so they called you then to come on traders um, while you were still on love Island. So, so what we, was that conversation? We were, like? I was just going to say we were done filming love Island. Okay. I hadn't flown home from Fiji yet. So it was, they put you back in a hotel because uh, Love Island is like two days ahead of what the public sees. I was in the hotel, spent the night with my girlfriend and then they knock on the door and then you go meet with the executive producers of Love Island. You're like, Hey, thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. And then they thank you for doing Love Island. And then friends lasted like 15 minutes. And then I left for about an hour and she's like, where the heck were you? And I then explained this story. I was like, <laughs> Well, I met with the Love Island EPs and then I met with Sharon and, you know, some high ups of Peacock and they're like, would you please come to Scotland? And I said, yes, but let me talk to my parents. Cause I still haven't talked to my parents in two and a half months. Cause I left for Fiji and you know, I never got to talk to them again until uh, yeah. that night. So then I call them like, Hey, cause also I was supposed to go to physical therapy school in September and on August 10th, I well, I got the therapist to call my dad and say, I need to defer for a year because I'm going to be in Fiji still when school starts. And I wasn't going to be able to go to physical therapy school. Like I, I need the red planned. shirt. I need the red shirt. Physical I need therapy the red school. shirt. Yeah. So, and physical therapy is really tough to get in. So I didn't even know if they were going to defer me and they luckily deferred me. So be like, be like professor doc. I'm chasing ass around Fiji for a while. Now I go to Scotland and murder some people. Okay. Give me a year off. You're off. I, I'm going to take this reality TV as far as I can take it. And just man. enjoy it. Yeah. Cause also too, I'm going to include this. I'm someone like that was my first time getting on a flight in over 10 years. And I was scared navigating an airport. Like I've never left the country. So <laughs> this was all brand new to me. And I was like, this is a once in a lifetime experience. And I was like, yes, I'm never going to get to see the world. Cause I'm going to be in debt. I'm going to have to be a traveling physical therapist to like pay off all this debt. And then but reality TV happened and I'm taking the blue pill instead of the red pill. Where are you from? Minnesota. So I was right. like 30 minutes away from Janelle. Oh, no way. Oh dude. Love Janelle. 
Um, did you guys meet? Had you met before the season or you guys didn't meet until um, you got there? This is funny. Janelle's actually a Love Island fan. So she Instagram DM me between Fiji and Scotland, like that 10 day period. She DM me and said, it was so much fun watching you re- represent Minnesota. Wow. Uh, and I do reality TV. And I was like, I followed her back. And then we're in the same van heading to the castle. And I was like, Janelle, you're the reality TV star from Minnesota that DM me. That is wild. Did you watch any other, were you familiar with any of the other franchises, big brother? Um, uh, like, were you a, are you a reality fan? Like, did you watch reality TV? I'm a reality TV star fan, but I haven't been keeping up since I was in college, but like I did watch survivor, you know, I probably have seen Sandra season, but I didn't recognize Sandra or poverty. And then, you know, I've, pro- I've seen episodes of the challenge, but I didn't recognize you guys. Like I, you know, I, like I sit down, I watch a couple episodes, but I don't like watch season after season, but now I am, I've gone back. I've been like watching the challenge, watching big brother season six with Janelle. Like I'm just going through them all. Watch house of villains. I've been told that on Peacock too. Watch house of villains, man. Um, so, okay. So let me ask you this. So going on then you knew that there was going to be people from all different types of reality competition show franchises. Again, big brother, the challenge, uh, survivor. Were you, were you worried was part of your strategy, I guess, to be like, Oh, these people know, did you feel like, because there were people on there who were successful in the past in reality competition shows that these were people you felt like you were going to have to potentially target, or were you kind of like, let me go in and just give everyone a fair shake, regardless of their reputation or history and let me make a decision for myself. Yeah. So what's also tough is the cast got leaked. It wasn't the real cast, but it was some of the cast got leaked, uh, before I left for Scotland, it was like a day before. So I had time to like, look up everybody. And like, of course I was like, is this cheating? Is this not cheating? I don't know. And then, you know, I get to the castle and everybody kind of like, Bergen, you ain't, listen, alliances. if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Trying. Yeah. So I, I knew you were there. I knew Dan was going to be there. I knew Janelle was, I actually didn't know Janelle was going to be there. I knew CT was going to be there. I'm trying to remember who I saw. I didn't see Deontay Wilder. Uh, there was like rumors from people from like summer house and winter house. I don't know if you watched that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't, but like the cast got leaked and my girlfriend saw it. She's like, Oh my gosh, you're going to meet like Lindsay from summer house. And I was like, so then I looked up Lindsay and it, you know, she wasn't there. Lynn's hubs. Oh yeah. Didn't, wasn't there a dating rumor with you and Lindsay? Yeah. Yeah. Listen, I was just being, listen, we're talking about chivalry. We are talking about being a gentleman. I took her out, uh, for a boozy brunch afternoon date on her wedding day. Well, it was supposed to be her original wedding day. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Carl doesn't matter. He's not, yeah. Not chivalrous. He's not, not chivalrous. chivalrous, you know, yeah. not chivalrous was, was, was not a good guy, broke it off. And I mean, Lindsay and I have known each other for a while and, um, I was in the city and you know, old, just, just some, just some friends getting together for some mimosas. So way to be a chivalrous man. Listen, man, I'm just trying to be more like you, Berg. But, uh, so I did do research. I knew Dan. I was like, okay, watch out for Dan. Um, you know, that was a big one. I was like, watch out for bananas. I was I also kind of wrote down feed bananas, bananas. Cause like, <laughs> I hear you like this big dude that likes to like, you know, just be treated like a king. So I was like feed bananas, bananas. That's, that's what not I wrote down. Okay. If, okay. That's what you thought coming in. Is that actually the impression I gave off though, that I'm this guy that wants to be treated like royalty so much that that's the impression you gave off. That's what I just read. Cause I searched Johnny bananas and then I just read stuff on the internet. Like that, that's okay. the information I had going into this game. 
I'm trying to like, I think it was bananas. I knew Dan. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I knew many other CT. Yep. The housewives is like, they're not going to be major threats. So I didn't really worry about them. I was more real. Oh, and then, you know, Rob was on it for survivor. It wasn't Sandra and poverty. So like, this is a fake cast, but I thought it, you know, I researched it like it was real. Yeah. So what was it like then? I mean, cause again, I've, I almost felt bad, not bad, but I definitely felt like the players, the housewives, like you said, you know, you, Kevin, John, I mean, dude, I've been doing reality television competition shows. And I mean, the most just cutthroat, complicated, manipulative, conniving, backstabbing shows. I mean, for 18 years, dude. So for me, it's just another day at the office, but for you guys showing up and kind of being in this environment, like what was your, and I know you'd watch the other season of traders, but what was that like? I guess trying to, you know, you're literally trying to figure out, you know, this whole new realm of, uh, of TV, like, you know, kind of, you know, the drop of a hat. So like, what was your strategy going in? You said you'd watched uh, previous seasons of the traders. So what was, uh, what were you going to do? What was, what was going on in old Berg dogs, uh, strategic brain? Yeah. And I was actually super excited. Like as a, I'm like a survivor fan and I just love competition shows. So I was like super ready to do this. And I watched season one and the best, like the faithfuls that made it the furthest were the ones that never spoke up and were the ones that were like, had no idea what was going on. So I was like, that's perfect. I bet Peacock was, was probably thinking I could be one of those faithfuls and just like, you know, get a lot of green time, but like be in the episodes, like, Hey, we got a guy from love Island and he's like making it through traders. Cause like, if you have no idea what's going on. Like the traders aren't going to murder you. And if the faithfuls aren't going to see you as like a huge target, cause like watching season one, it was the people like that made false accusations got banished. And if you it were the, if the traders thought you were like a threat to their game, they're going to murder you. So you just got to be like in the middle somewhere. And then season two, if you were just like super funny and awesome and charismatic and handsome, um, they, they murdered you. I know they murdered us both already. That's what I'm saying, dude. Well, no, they tried to murder you, but you had the shield that protected you. So do you think that's why they went after us? Because you and I are basically the same person. Like, in that regard, like we're both like super funny, like super handsome, super charismatic. I, I, I don't know, but I'd venture to guess you're probably a very good slow dancer. So do you think that's why they, they killed us both because we were such huge threats? They were like, I can't. Poverty was like, I saw Bergie slow dancing yeah. in the kitchen. We need to get rid of them right now. Get, <laughs> do you think, no, do, or do you think what happened is like, after they murdered me, they were like, why is bananas still here? Because you and I are so much the same person. They thought that you were me. They must have like, you know, the rosacea just comes out like the red in the face. Like we both have the same problems. Speaking of rosacea, that was actually one of my favorite parts. I mean, I wasn't there long, obviously, yeah, but one but... of my favorite moments, dude, I, it was right after the round table. Okay. Now listen, I was given way too much credit. All right. I had not a goddamn clue after that round table who a trader was. They were like, Oh, the sleeve. And I heard of this and Alan slowed down behind this person. And there was a perspiration fingerprint on CT's jacket. I'm like, guys, nobody has any fucking clue what's going on here. Let's be real. Everybody looked nervous after like nobody knows anything. So we go to the bar and Ekansu just starts grilling you, dude. And I remember walking by and I mean, I didn't really know you 
you know, all that well, obviously at that point, um, we'd only maybe, maybe spoken a few times and dude, you were beat. I mean, when I tell you beat red, like my, my neck was just red. It was just, I was like, Oh my God, you were pouring sweat. And I'm, I'm looking at this being like, okay, she's either on to something. And this guy's just a terrible liar or he's actually like this nervous. And it turned out that you were just actually that nervous. Yeah. And like, the thing is like, I'm very uncomfortable in the beginning, like getting to know people. And like, yep. you know, that first con- like that was Ek and Sue's and I first conversation. And she's like, why are you talking fast? You didn't do this in other conversations. And I want to go, well, we've never had another conversation. And then it was like question after question after question. Yeah. And she's like, she's like, I'm not saying you're a traitor. I'm like, you're implying it, but I didn't even have the courage to say you're implying it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like, it was just, I was not prepared to get grilled right after that first round table. What I compare that to is like, when you go through customs, when you're coming back to the States, the customs agent looks at you and just starts asking you very normal questions. What do you do for a living? What's your name? What were you doing in this country? And dude, like you honestly, even though you haven't done anything, you feel guilty. You forget. You're like, oh my God, where was I? What was I doing? Because this situation is so intense, I feel like I'm guilty. And it's almost like, I feel like that's what was happening to you in that moment. That's exactly what happened to me. Cause I walked out of that round table. I'm like, even though I just didn't get picked as a traitor, I still need to be a faithful. Cause like the littlest things in the beginning is what gets you banished. Like peppermint making a face got her banished. Yes. That's all we had. Peppermint did this. Yep. That, that's what's so scary. Well, early on, and this is, it's weird. It's what, it's what works on normal reality shows, but doesn't necessarily work in this one. Early on in reality, in the season, you're looking for any reason you can to just put the heat on somebody else. And as long as it's not on you and it's on somebody else, it's like shark, it's like shark smelling blood in the water. Once you know that it's going towards a certain name, people just pile on. So even if you're like, there's no shot in hell that Peppermint or Larsa or whoever else are traders because everybody else is saying their name. As long as it's not me, I'm going to jump on board with that as well. And it kind of did a disservice, obviously early on to the faithfuls by just, you know, being lemmings and just kind of not like being one monolithic, uh, um, you know, thought process as opposed to everybody kind of having their own, their own ideas. Yeah. And it, it sucked. Those first two round tables really did suck. And that, that was the advice from Sandra that I got. She's like, you have nobody else to call out without any valuable information. Don't do it just for the sake of it. Sandra's like, if it's not you jump on the train, because yep. if you, you try to stand out and then it turns out peppermint's a traitor, you're done. You're done the next day. Like, even if you had no idea and you were trying to defend peppermint, like if you have no information anywhere else, you have to jump on the train. That was the advice I got from Sandra. Must have been frustrating though, going through that. And cause that's sometimes the hardest thing to do is just keep your mouth shut. Must have been so frustrating knowing that the people who were getting pin- targeted and pinpointed weren't traders. But again, they were going to be banished and it just wasn't helping your guys' cause at all. Oh, my, and it, it was terrible because the round tables. So I felt like they were maybe like 60 to 90 minutes. And I'm like, Peppermint just literally said, I'm not a traitor for like 60 minutes straight. And everybody was throwing wild accusations at her. And all she could say is I'm a faithful. And that's really what she was. And she had nothing to defend herself with. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. 
You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Um, what's your background? Obviously, you are, are, are a very um, in, in intelligent guy. Um, what's your background? I guess are were, are you someone that's like are you someone in the past who's kind of been like a crafty guy? Are you like an industrious type? Because your strategy on the graveyard challenge of uh, you know, timing the lights and timing the light patterns, which is what literally won you guys that it, any money in that in that com- in that competition. Where does that come from? Was that something that just happened spur of the moment, or or are you kind of like just a strategic thinker in that regard? I think I'm just a strategic thinker because like every time someone got eliminated, I still remember the lights are the, the pattern of the lights. Like there was a light in the left here. And then there was a light over here and this one, they like just went this way. And then, you know, by the time the lights did one movement, someone else would just run into the light. I'm like, how are you guys running into the light? Like just run away from it. Don't run in the direction of it. And then the light would start here again, start here again, do the same movement, and then it'd come back. And then people weren't listening to me too, for like the longest time. It was like maybe, mm-hmm. you know, 10 minutes of shouting. And then finally, you know, they start listening. And then it was just like, I had like, behind me and it was just like we were one movement around the graveyard and it was so cool to see that pay off and i'm just yelling which way the lights are going and i just had it all down and then we you know got into the mausoleum and then you know then we just tore that graveyard to pieces which was really awesome that's kind of so that's why i've always been a thorn in production side uh through my years on the challenges because i always look for loopholes and i always look for um you know, things that haven't been fully flushed out in games. Now, I'm not sure if that was one of them, if there was supposed to be a strategy to that, or if you just figured it out, but brilliant um, move nonetheless. And I think that was like, that was like the Bergie coming out party. I think that's when you find you, you really made a splash and people were like, dude, this guy came to play. Yeah. And I, it th- honestly, like, this is kind of my curse. Like I'm just uncomfortable with people right in the beginning. Like my cheeks are going to be red. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm nervous, especially when there's so much of us. Like that was kind of the nice part of this game. Like a lot of people, I'm I'm very introverted. So like a lot of people in a room, like it's hard for me to speak out. But like as the game went on, obviously I'm getting more comfortable around the players. Mm-hmm. And there's less and less people in the rooms because they're getting murdered or banished. So it was just like mm-hmm. I really could come out by the end of the game. Like I was, you know, just throwing things out there and feeling more and more confident because I'm like, I have people that actually support my ideas as well. But do you think that worked for or against your game? Because you said in the beginning, your game was to just fly under the radar. Do you feel yeah. like once you got more comfortable and once the numbers started dwindling, you became a louder voice and that then may have been what led to the traders then turning their sights on you? Like, I wish I could have just sat through this whole game. But then at the same time, if I never spoke out, people thought of me as this, you know, naive, manipulative guy. I've said this a ton of times on the show that couldn't think for myself. And I really wanted to show myself on the show as well. And I was worried I would never get to like show that. And the murders are, the traders would just murder me randomly one night, you know, and then I'm 
never got to show what I actually thought was going on. You know what I mean? Like that would have been terrible. It's an interesting point because sometimes, actually a lot of times, the person that makes it to the end and wins doesn't necessarily win the same way the person that goes on and makes good TV and plays the game right. There's been so many times I've done shows where people, like you said, have floated their way through a show, not made any waves, made it to the end, somehow won at the end, but they're the most forgettable people. There are sometimes, like The Bachelor, for example, there have been people on The Bachelor who were eliminated, didn't win the show, who were actually more successful than the person that won because they actually made good TV. And again, sometimes winning or winning sometimes comes in other forms than just the person that walks away with the check at the end. So I'm glad you did that because the way this world works, the way reality TV works, okay? Not just reality TV, just, I mean, in sports in, in general, you see the people that are the most desirable um, when it comes to interviews, when, it, when they're the most um, marketable. They're the ones that have energy, the, the ones that create friction, the ones that go against the grain. So seeing how you and Peter have come out these last few episodes, absolutely swinging for the fences has been such a great, it's like you've literally taken the onus of the faithfuls on your shoulders and you guys are almost like, you know what, even if this gets us murdered, which it probably will, it's putting a lot of heat on us. Like we're like martyrs in a way, you know what I mean? Like we are going to do what we have to do in order to expose these, even if it means our own demise. So in the episode last night, uh, you saw like we closed the door right after we banished Dan. Yep. And I don't know if they showed it all the way through, but I gave a speech and we all toasted. It kind of showed it. But like I said, you guys, even if we get recruited, murdered, I, I'm going down with you guys. Like I, if I get like a recruitment letter, I'm denying it and I'll go down with you guys. And we all toasted to it, drank our wine, and then poverty walks in. It was it was like perfect timing for like, oh, here comes the bad guy that we all know. But you know, so, was- and, and I heard about that too. Like before, like obviously before once the, the show wrapped, I heard that it got so bad for the traders that they weren't even allowed to walk into a room. Well, Parvati uh, wasn't even allowed to walk into a room because they were like, sorry, this is uh, Faithful's conversations. Oh, you're a traitor, so you can't come in. Gosh, it, I love Parvati. I love Dan, even though like they were traitors. But at the same time, I'm like, I wonder who played a worse game. Yeah, because once, you know, suspicion got on Parvati, she just Dude. started attacking people. And she's like, I think you're a traitor because of these reasons. Like you saw like last night, she pulled Peter for a chat. Yeah, like she was trying to tell me I was a traitor because my face was red during the catapult challenge when we were pulling the catapult. She she was telling Sheree like, "Hey, did you see Bergie's face? His face was really red. <laughs> like, maybe he's a traitor. Like he's nervous that he survived the shield and you maybe he just murdered other, himself." You, you watched some of the other traitor seasons. I haven't. I'm going to. I know. I keep saying this. Rate the traitors up to this point. Gameplay. How well they executed that role as compared to other seasons. Okay. Um, and it, it's hard because it's our season as well. Like we probably saw something that the viewers didn't get to see either. So like, they're like, why are you saying that? I would say, Dan, you know, he, he played a bad game. He played a bad game, but if he was like maybe a day or two away from saving himself. Like if he came out and said, you guys, I, I don't think it's Larsa. I think it's Phaedra. I think it's a housewife. Maybe he could have thrown Phaedra under the bus then. If he gave mm-hmm. a good speech, he was just like two days late. So he wasn't like 
super far behind. And cause he, the night before he said, let me shoot my shot. So he wasn't like far off. Like if he shot a shot on the night of Larsa, he probably could have saved himself. The night of Janelle, I was like, dude, you're done. You're done. <laughs> like <laughs> it's too late now, but I spent, and then he made it another night and we all wrote his name down. Like he was, Birdie, uh, I lo- yeah, I, I love that sticking up for, you were sticking up for Janelle. So you, Trishel and Janelle cook up this plan, which was brilliant. All right. Uh, with Peter. Oh, I also want to stay. Yep. Four. Uh, so we were all working together. Uh, Janelle, Peter, Trishel, John, and I, it was us five. We were the, we called ourselves the faithful of the faithful that morning before the bird challenge, we were talking about it. We're like, I think, cause he thought it was MJ. Remember the night before he yep. voted for MJ. Uh, him and I were talking about, I'm like, I guarantee you a trader was in that coffin, but it's not MJ. And then we later on after breakfast, go with a conversation with poverty. He's just like giving us reasons why MJ is a trader. And I was like, Peter, let's go for a chat. And I was like, poverty is a trader. He's like, yeah, poverty is a trader. Like she killed her game that moment. That was the nail in the coffin for poverty. Cause she was trying to convince us that MJ was a trader. I'm like MJ is not a trader. Let's think about this. Like she has no idea what's going on. So, Zero. 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 Idea. Yeah. No, no offense to MJ. If you listen to this, I love you. Um, and the other thing was too, we were starting to get together to get Dan out and Janelle goes, you're not going to have the votes. Do not vote for Dan tonight. Cause I was ready to vote for Dan. And then the whole max thing happened. So I was like, okay, not voting for Dan. And then the next day I see MJ in the coffin and she voted for Dan. I was like, Janelle saved my life. Janelle saved my life. <laughs> and so I was thinking in that moment, I was like, Janelle's my hero, but then MJ didn't die. But I was like, do you think though that Janelle knew Dan was a traitor and was trying to protect him? Like at that point, at that stage in the game? Yes. Cause you watch previous trader seasons and the one now, if you banish a trader far in the beginning of the season, they get to recruit throws the whole, like if we all know it's Dan and we can make sure he doesn't murder us to the end of the game, we can then banish him in the finale. But if we yeah. banish Dan earlier, he can recruit, then he's gone. And then the traders get to recruit someone. And then we have no idea who it is. Gotcha. So then it just, it's like the faithful get punished if they own this game. <laughs> it, it, it truly is. Like we got Dan. The traders have all, it's, it sucks. Him. It's like they hold all the power, dude. You're like, we get Dan out. It's like, hey, Peter, do you want to be a traitor? We get, we have you this letter. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? Like, that's our victory. All right. So you guys cook up this, 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 this scheme, which I thought was brilliant uh, on the bird watching challenge, which I, I, I must say was one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen. Um, you, Peter, Trichelle, and Janelle. And Janelle said this even before going in, you guys had made the plan to basically let uh, you and Trichelle win the shield. Um, and then you guys weren't going to tell uh, the, the rest of the cast members who stayed in the castle who weren't part of the bird watching expedition. You weren't going to tell them who had won the shield. Now, how were you guys so certain that the traders were in fact in the castle and not one of the pairs that was out bird watching? So this is kind of my reasoning. I knew I felt like Janelle wasn't a traitor because you don't gun for shields the way Janelle does. If you yeah. want to make it long in this game, like that was her banishment. She was fighting over shields with Ekansu. She was fighting over shields from the get go. And people like, and she was loud. She led people to vote a certain way. Whether it was, she didn't lead the max charge, but she led that, uh, Larsa vote a little bit with poverty and people didn't like that. And I'm like, you don't, like I said this in the, uh, her banishment too. I'm like, you don't speak up if you're a traitor. 
because you want to make it as long as you can without being noticed and undetected. Because if you bring heat on yourself, you know, gunning for shield just brings heat on yourself and people are going to get you out of the game. So that's how I was like, Janelle's not a traitor. Peter and I, we were discussing Dan for a while. And if he was a traitor, he wouldn't be throwing Dan under the bus that early. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And then we both agreed on poverty after that conversation when she was trying to convince us it was MJ. We were like, it's poverty. So that, that's two of the traders, but we thought there was four. And then we had a justify. I honestly wasn't sure of like, he went back and forth. He was all over the place. His, he was his, all over ra- the place. his reasoning in the route was just, was just frustrating. It's like, Kevin, dude, come on, man. What? Like the fact that he, the fact that he never suspected Dan at all. Well, I think he did at the end and they didn't really give him the edit for that, but he was just all over the place. And I wasn't sure about Kevin. Trishel, you know, called up Peppermint Day Castle and it was like, you're not going to do that as a trader again because you're now like, everybody knows you're in the game. Like, yep, you're not yep. going to do that day two if you're a trader. And then Sheree, sure because she was so, she was quiet. She was just as quiet as a Dan. And looking back on it too, Phaedra was one of the quietest people at the round table. We had to ask her to speak up and give her thoughts every now mm-hmm. and then. Mm-hmm. And so like, that was a, you know, people gave, Dan she actually was playing the, the reason. The reason Phaedra, I feel like, has played such a good game up to this point is because she has let Dan and Parvey. This is where I think when for a long time you are built up and you are told that you are this master strategist and you are this reality television legend and you are the GOAT and you can figure out, you know, how to manipulate and strategize and 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 play people. I feel like because that's what Parvey and Dan have been built up for for so many years they almost felt the need to con- co- to always make like game very kind of obvious game moves instead of just letting things happen for themselves they felt like they like they were playing chess and there had to be like a move ahead of the move ahead of the move and what that ended up doing is it's almost like if you're a murderer and you have an mo after a while they can start if you are making the same move over and over you're going to get caught. And I think Phaedra just let them play their game. I was like, Oh, that's what you guys want to do. That's you want to murder. Go ahead. So it was putting heat on them because it was, it was obvious that that's like the moves that they were trying to make where she was just kind of sitting back and allowing them to take all of the heat, all of the spotlight. And it was keeping her in the dark. Yeah. And that's a good point. Like, and the only time ever got suspicious again of the housewives, Peter and John thought it was very suspicious when she killed Tamara. She was like, this is going to be my time. I need to step up because people, you know, all of a sudden were suspicious of the housewives. And then immediately there was a murder and Peter and John saw that as a red flag. Maybe there's still a Bravo person that is a traitor. And now they're like, just really trying to get off their trail. Like that, that was Peter and John's red flag. They were like, there's probably still a Bravo person. And honestly, I want to say this too. I don't think John is like, he's obviously He's getting the fun at it. Like he's goofy yep. and like, yeah, but he's so much more strategic than yep. shows letting on. He's a politician dude in yeah. British parliament. Yeah. Um, so obviously they try and murder you, but you have the shield. Um, so you're, so the plan works. What did you think about this strategy on, on them? Do you, shouldn't they have murdered somebody potentially inside the castle? Because wasn't coming after you a very risky because they didn't know who had the shield, but b also obvious because you literally told Dan to his face in the last round table, 100%. I'm writing your name down next. So then you then being murdered, doesn't that just completely 
make it obvious who, who the trader is at this point? Yeah. And I'm going to go back a little bit again too. Uh, but that, that night where Janelle got banished, I was furious. And that was part of my other issue too. I get emotionally attached to people and I just knew Janelle wasn't a trader. And yeah. sitting at that round table, I was, Janelle told you, I called out Dan and Parvati at that round table. And it was like, Dan, who's your number two? Dan, who's your number two? And I go, Dan, who's your number two? And he goes, no, it's just Janelle. And he, like, he did that thing that was, that was shown. And then he goes, and I'm like, are you kidding me? And he's like, well, who's your number two? And I go, it's Parvati. And I'm like, then Parvati and I are going at it. They didn't show any of that. That was my favorite moment of the season. You know, I call out Dan and then I'm fighting with Parvati on why she's a trader and they didn't show any of that. Well, they can't because they can't. I feel like they do a lot to protect the traders. I feel like they yeah. have to make it look like they're playing in secret because, dude, it would ruin the show if how awful they played was actually edited properly. Yeah. So did you so do you feel like Dan's, I guess, fear of you coming after him overcame like the logic, which should have been like, all right, yes, I want to get rid of this person because they're coming after me. But it's not like eliminating you is going to eliminate the problem. It's not like you're the head of the snake and you're the only person onto him. It, no. it's, by, by him then, by them going after you, it's almost proof. And then it's just going to make the heat that much, you know, that it's hotter on him. Yeah. And the funny thing is, so, so Janelle also called out that uh, the reason why us six went outside was because we thought we were all faithful. Like we did not let Dan or Parvati go outside. We would not let everything. Like we argued with Dan. We argued with Parvati. I don't think Parvati raised her hand, but Dan was adamant that he wanted to be outside, but we didn't let him. And Janelle said at the round table, six of us outside were faithful. And then uh, Sandra got upset about that. I think what they also had to do in that trader's turret, they had to murder someone from outside. Otherwise then everybody knows all the traders were inside as well. So they, they had to kill someone outside. Otherwise, everybody knows traders were inside. How does that so, though? Why, why would that? I feel like if anything, that's a safer move is to murder somebody inside. Well, so that just really shows that nobody, the trader was outside. If they murder okay. someone inside, if that makes sense, because then they, everybody knows like they didn't know who had the shield at all. Because yeah. I also ran past Sheree and Kevin, saw me going to the walled garden with Trichelle. Same with Janelle and Peter. Okay, so when you come in, this was another thing that, that, okay, so the trap obviously works. They try and murder you. You are protected. Um, who does the knocking? Because is that you banging that aggressively or is that like, or is that something they film like like later? Like are those pickups, like someone else is banging on the door? Because I don't, you don't seem, you, you don't strike me as someone's going to knock on a door that hard. This was the one time I didn't knock. I just ran in there. I wanted to see everybody's <laughs> face. Like, so they, they edited in me knocking and people's facial expressions before I came in. So they must've got that from, you know, someone else walking in because I just opened the door. I didn't knock. I just came in. I was like, what's up motherfuckers. I'm did here. anyone's, did <laughs> anyone's facial expressions right off the bat? Like, were there certain people you were looking at and did anyone's facial expressions confirm your suspicions? Dan and Parvati's like, it was just yeah. like yeah. those two are traitors. Dan looked like someone shit on his birthday cake, dude. And then seeing his, uh, nib right after where he's holding his face, he's like, what did I just do? That, yeah. that was the best thing last night. Cause I watched the sh episodes with my family and yeah. we're all just sitting there laughing. I'm like, I, you know, I didn't get to see this and this is just awesome seeing it all play out. What's funny is in that same uh, MIV, or we call them OTFs, but in that same MIV, he says that he now needs to start playing Dan says he's been playing too slow 
and he needs to start and, and he hasn't been playing aggressive enough. He's the exact opposite. I mean, I think the guy's been playing kind of recklessly. I mean, <sighs> aggressive means talking more. Like he hasn't spoken really at all. So like, he, yeah, I, he, he was, he was dead. To me, he was dead before I even walked in. He was dead before when Janelle left. He was dead. You, you know, he was banished. He was dead. He to no you shot. get rid of my girl. You're dead to me. He was banished the night before. Like if we could have sat there at the table again and everybody write a name on the chalkboard, I think he, he would have been out. So, and then this is kind of where, um, and again, I, I don't know if they just, the way that they cut this was different, but it looked like you guys kicked Parvati out of the room twice. Basically, you guys were all having your meeting in the library. She tries to come in. Peter's like, give us a minute. And then they also show kind of the same clip after uh, the banishment. But like I said before, I mean, you know, it's bad when you literally aren't even being allowed into rooms because, you know, it's you're that suspicious. Yeah, it was it was bad. Um, the other thing, too, I actually, you know, when they put the they put the murder note on the seat, right? Mm -hmm. I actually got to do one of those, but they didn't put it in the episode. And they asked me who I thought murdered me. And I thought, actually, I thought it was Parvati uh, because Parvati really wanted to murder me because I mentioned her name, but I was also going after Dan the first night or the night of Janelle. So I thought Parvati thought it was a great way to pin it on Dan and then save herself. And then I was gone before I went after Parvati. I thought that was her goal. But then watching the episode back, she said, I don't think we should murder Bertie because I don't think he, uh, I think he has a shield. That was the only thing yeah. I was thinking. I'm like, wait a minute, you guys... And by you guys, I mean Parvati and, and Phaedra. You guys are taking a monumental gamble, monumental gamble by going after Bergy, which does not benefit either one of your games. The only person that would have benefited from you being murdered is Dan. So they missed the murder. They, they, they took a huge risk and missed a murder. Um, and yeah, I, obviously it's going to put the heat more on him, but... You literally, I mean, you just, you just lost the opportunity to, to, to get rid of another faithful. Now here's what, here's the, here's the question I have. One of the many questions. All right. So you take the trader's oath. You're told you are not allowed to out another trader. You're not allowed to, you know, point blank say, you know, this, I think that this person is a trader, right? But then what Dan does is he pulls aside all, you know, all these different people talking about the banishment ceremony and is like, I'm going to tell you tonight who the trader is. Isn't that going against, isn't that kind of what you're not supposed to do? Isn't that going against the oath? If you tell people, hey, tonight at the banishment ceremony, I'm going to tell you who it is and you're a traitor. And then you show up and do exactly that. You know, I, I don't know. Cause like, I don't know what the actual rules are. I say fair game to anybody that wants to shoot their shot and try. Yeah. But at the same time, Dan was so late. Like he should have been telling people like, hey, I'm going after Phaedra tonight. I thought Phaedra was a traitor for so long. Like you need to be, when you have time before the round table, you need to be doing that. But he didn't use that time to do that. He's like, I'm going to shoot my shot tonight. Will you at least listen to me? No, say who you're going after tonight. Yeah. Give us, give us reasons now. So that way it makes sense. Don't do it. Throw it, throw it all on the table all of a sudden. Like give us time to process it. Like he didn't give us time to process it even. I have to say, and again, I know this sounds biased because I obviously don't like him, but the case that he put forward, Okay, the case for why Phaedra should be banished was literally one of the worst arguments I've ever heard in my entire life. Have you ever seen the movie uh, My Cousin Vinny? When, I have not. 
All right, we'll watch it. Joe Pesci, like it's fr- like the guy's taking the bar exam five times. He's never tried a, 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 a case in front of a jury. Goes out and basically makes his argument. And his first day out there proves the case of the other side because the witnesses are able to have explanations for every single argument that he puts forth. And I felt like this is what happened with Dan calling out Phaedra. First of all, every one of his arguments was so weak. So weak, dude. It's like, wait a minute. She hugged Larsa after Marcus was murdered and she had like a reaction and voted for Eck and Sue. Like, make this make sense. And then the way that Phaedra just kind of sat there, and I don't know, this might have been editing, but was it this like, I don't know, badass in person where she just sat there, did not say a word, and then just ate his ass up after? Like, almost like let him set a trap for himself. And then she just completely buried him. Was that kind of how it was in person? When he started, let's play a game. I was like, this is something a traitor would do. Like, let's play a game. Like, this is like Saw. Like, you know, the movie Saw, like, let's play a game. I was like, still villainous already from the get go. Like, what are we five? <laughs> yeah. I was like, I just need to start writing your name on my chalkboard right now. All right, we're gonna play. <laughs> we're gonna speech. play Duck Duck Goose. Whoever I tap on the head is the traitor. Yeah, I was just like, oh no. But you know what? Props to him for trying. I do. Yeah. It was fun to see him just try his best and like still be a good sport after he got banished. Though, like it was, it was nice seeing that. It was more like he doused himself in gasoline, lit himself on fire, and then Phaedra just ate up all the charred remains. Yeah. And the other thing, too, I remember he was giving his speech and then he had like the notes on the back of his chalkboard that he was like doing it. And they must have took that out. But like, and I remember he was tapping his, like he he had like five or six things written down and he'd cross it off. And by the time he got to the, the fifth or sixth one, he was like, you could just see he was like, I'm losing. I'm like, he's like, he gave up, like he was giving up because nobody was buying it. Like they didn't show that in there, but I feel like if I remember correctly, he got to like the fifth or sixth one and you could just feel it. Like he was like, I'm not what I was. It was bad. It was, that was like all time world-class fucking epic failure. Like it was, it was so you go from doing absolutely nothing, not saying a word, you know, they, the saying it's like, Sometimes it's better to keep your mouth shut and let people think you're stupid than open it and remove all doubt. That was kind of like what happened at that round table. It was like, you, he probably would have been better off. Or why didn't he try and target Parvati? That would have been a much easier, I think that would have been a much, a lot easier to get people to buy into her than to Phaedra. Well, we told Dan, you vote with us tonight and we'll um, save you another day is what we told him. And he decided, nope, I'm not going to vote with you guys. I'm going to shoot my shot at Phaedra. Wow. Talk about cutting off your nose to spite your face. All right. So um, Peter, obviously very outspoken, almost too outspoken. I was sitting here thinking like, dude, A, I mean, you came out right away at at breakfast and took complete credit for the uh, trap that you set. You're basically saying that you are hunting all these traitors. And at first I'm like, dude, like, are you trying to get yourself murdered by the traitors? And then it kind of became obvious that that's exactly what he was trying to do. It was almost like a suicide mission. Like, I'm like, all right, I am going to make sure I expose these traitors, take them down. And like, I will sacrifice myself and fall on a sword in order to do that. And I thought that was pretty noble. And I feel like you're kind of on the same path with him. The, uh, but the other thing is when Dan called up Phaedra, Peter started laughing and goes, I just think Dan threw out another traitor's name. 
and looked at Phaedra. And I was like, dang, he might be right. And so, you know, then I was like, I need to stand up for Phaedra right now if she is a traitor, because I want to play the long game as well. Yeah, so and I you're her like, burgalicious. Yeah, I was like, yeah, why would Phaedra want to murder me? If like if she was th- if Phaedra was thinking about the long game, she would keep me here if she trusted me. That's what I said. Because I was yeah. like, if she wants to play the long game, please keep me here. I would like to make it to the end. Yeah. No, Peter was just Bro, I felt like Peter was just like, dude, just he was like a, 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 a drunken fucking cowboy in a saloon, dude, just shooting at any anything that moved. And I'm just like, bro, like take the win and like move on. Like I get what you obviously really want to, you know, make a point here. But you are all you're doing now is just making the case even stronger for why you, you're not leaving the traders any option other than to murder you. And I think part of our problem was Janelle was the leader of our group, right? Mm-hmm. She, you know, she got banished and that just let Peter, John and I unleash. Like Janelle was the one like keeping us in the bottle. Janelle gets banished and we're like, all hell breaks loose. We're coming at you guys. Cause we knew we've been talking about Dan and poverty for like two days. And once Janelle left, we're like, screw it. We're ending the game. Cause we thought there was four and we we're trying to figure out the other two. And once Janelle left, we're like, fuck it. Let's go. Once once Janelle left, it was like Bergie was running around like a fucking dude in a hot tub with two chicks. I no, that night Janelle left. I followed Dan around and I I, I like yelled at him. Like he walked by me in the hallway. I'm like, your name's still on my chalkboard. Like I <laughs> followed him around. I made sure he was murdered by ass. Hell hath no fury, like a Bergie scorned. Um, all right. I mean, listen, great episode. I honestly think that that Dan lasted probably longer than he should have in this game. Um, I know that there's a lot of people out there like, oh, this is just sour grapes. And it's like, nah, this is just confirmation of everything that I said from the beginning that, I mean, it's almost like making him a traitor was like giving a 15 year old the keys to like a, a, a Lamborghini. It's like, you are not qualified to operate this machinery. Um, Dan is gone. Dan is banished. Um, how good did that feel, by the way, to finally, to finally find a trader? Oh, it felt amazing. I was like, we should have got this the day before too. Cause at the same time, I was like, I wish Janelle was here to see this, but it was like, let's go. You're done. On to the next one. Poverty year tomorrow. Dude, the cheering that's gotta suck so bad. It's one thing if you're like banished and you're a faithful, you walk away and everyone's like very melancholy to be a traitor, to get exposed. And then as you're walking away, everyone's like throwing a fucking party. Like that must just rub salt in the wound so badly. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, I know for him, he was like, well, that sucks. Uh, well, did you, did you listen to his podcast about his Q and a probably not? Mm-hmm. No, Bergie, uh, he said, I would rather, I would rather stick a Q-tip in my ear and smack my head against the wall. Yeah, I, I'm sure you would. But he, he said like, he felt like he let production and his fans down when he was walking out. So he, he, let America, he, he did. He let the show down by getting rid of the best sorts of entertainment right out of the gate. Uh, felt great. Obviously, uh, poverty. I feel like she comes out again. She's just playing a deflection game. Let me accuse anyone that's accusing me. Obviously seems to be falling on deaf ears. It's so bad. <laughs> you knew there was going to be a recruitment or you assume there was going to be a recruitment, correct? Yes. And I actually told uh, Peter, I'm like, if you come here tomorrow and you say Parvi's not a traitor, I'm banishing your ass. Is what I told <laughs> Peter. 
I was like, there's no way after all day you've been like, it's poverty, guys. It's poverty. Yeah. And if you show up tomorrow and go, it's not poverty, you're you we know. recruited. We know, dude. Wow. Dude, okay, so you're saying that had they tried to recruit you, you wouldn't have you wouldn't have taken the bait either. No, because my face would be red all day. I'd be like, let's go. <laughs> Hi guys. Like I know yeah. something you don't. Like I, yeah. I'm like the worst liar. I like, like honestly though, I'd love to give it a shot. I know I'd be probably like I just want to see how far I can make it. Like, let me do it one season. Like come back for like season eight. Just let's see how far I can make it. I think you'd be a great, I think you'd be great. You just keep, dude, everyone expects you to be like red and nervous and sweaty anyways. You just keep that up. I think people would get up, would be on to you if you came on one season and you weren't, they'd be like, holy shit, what's going on with this guy? Yeah, that that's true too. Because my whole family and my girlfriend's like, if you're a traitor, you could easily just make it and just say you're being yourself. Yeah, I I wouldn't have, dude, I, there's a 0% chance I would have, would have suspected you. All right, well, listen, man, um, Really excited to see how the rest of this uh, season plays out um, for you guys, for the faithfuls. Uh, I know you and Peter definitely. I mean, you guys have been playing. You guys have been playing high and tight. Love it. Uh, I hope that you guys manage to find a way to, you know, maneuver your way around and 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 figure it out. But dude, you've up to this point. Um, I think. I mean, you've been like. I think you and Peter both have been like dark horses. Like nobody was expecting to make the you know, the splash that you have and be the worthy adversaries that you have. And I think, I mean, look at Bergy, you, you, even though I obviously try to discredit Dan and his history in, in my intro, I mean, you outplayed, outsmarted, outwitted, outdueled one of the best reality television, big brother competition players ever. So, you know, pat yourself on the back, man. Yeah. I, and that was the crazy thing too, knowing like this guy has won big brother, like nearly twice. And then also, you know, feeling like the collapse of poverty's game right now going, I'm beating like yeah. Bergie from Minnesota. Like the dairy queen general manager, like three months ago was beating <laughs> a survivor legend and a big brother legend. Who would have yeah, <laughs> I mean, yo dude, that's what, that's why they say. Reality is stranger than fiction, Bergie. Yeah. I love it. All right. Well, listen, again, I'm excited to see uh, what the rest of the season has to hold um, for anyone out there. Uh, all the all of my fans who are who are listening, I'm sure a lot of Dan's fans are probably listening to this as well, too. Um, if people want to find you on social media, uh, people want to you know follow up with you, um, see what the Burgalicious is all about. Where, how can they uh, how can they look you up? How can they find you? Yeah. So my Instagram is Burgalicious35. My TikTok is Karsten B. And then I think my Twitter or X is Karsten Berge, And I think that's where you can find me. What's your OnlyFans? That's what everyone wants to know. Uh, that would be the name of my penis. Loch Ness. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Loch Ness. Your penis is the Loch Ness monster? It's the Loch Ness monster. Oh, dude, that is great, man. That is great. Um the Loch Ness Monster. Okay. Well, there you go. So people, now you know his Twitter, his Instagram, and, and the name of his penis. I think this is the first time we've ever gotten a penis name in the end. So thank you for that, Berg. The world, no you know, problem. Are you going to be in New York next week? Breaking glass ceilings. Yes, I will. All right. I'm, I'm excited to see you again. We're going to do some damage, brother. All right. Well, listen, man, thank you for thank you for stopping by the Death Taxes and Bananas podcast where the tea flows like wine and my guests instinctively flock like the salmon of Capistrano. I am Oprah and I love you. Mm -hmm.